Hey, um, so we're, I'm just carrying on with the series that Sam started earlier in the month. Um, I'm ready. I think it's up there. No, oh, yes, there it is. I'm ready. I'm ready for what? You see, human nature kind of sets the scene for us that we like times and schedules um, to get ready for. We like to know exactly what time church is starting so that we can be there five minutes early or five minutes late. Um, we like to know what time work starts and what time work finishes and what time school starts and what time school finishes because that's just human nature. But we have a bit of a dilemma with Jesus' return because we don't know the time or the day or the schedule and that really messes with me personally because I like to know. Anyone else like to know? Yeah. So I thought tonight I might just unpack it a little bit because I haven't got a nice little package for you to take away and tick a box. What I've got is the idea of having a posture of readiness for Christ because I don't think as humans we can deal with the uncertainty of not knowing the exact time and place. Fair enough? You see, imagine me saying to you, I've got this huge event planned that's going to be really, really awesome. Can you all go and get ready for it? And you say, yeah, sure, when is it? And I go, I don't know, I'm not too sure when it's going to be. You're going to have a couple of responses to that. Either Matt's mad. Your first response would probably be, uh, you know what, I'm not going to go and get ready for that event until I've got a bit more clarity around what, what's happening and when it's happening. So I'll just carry on about my life. And when Matt gets back to me, then, I, then I'll start getting ready for that event because he's really given me nothing except that this event's happening. So that could be your first response, yeah? Who would do that? Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, life carries on. Good honesty. Okay, your second response could be this. Oh, that event sounds freaking amazing. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to get ready and I'm going to sit on my couch until Matt gets a hold of me and tells me that it's on. Who would do that? Not really. But if we flick that over, so that's sort of the natural thinking, a couple of responses to something that's going to happen but we're not sure when. If we look at that in the spiritual kind of sense, as Christians and believers of, of Jesus, we could take that first response that says, oh, you know, Jesus isn't returning just yet, um, so I'm just going to carry on, and then maybe when I've got a little bit more clarity about when he's coming, maybe the heavens open up, then, then I'll start getting ready. Yeah? Does that sort of sound like a human response, say, quite a fleshly human nature response? Or you could do the whole nun-monk thing, I'm fully ready for Christ's return, but I'm going to lock myself away in a monastery somewhere and not even attempt to be part of the world because that way I'm ready and I'm here and I'm waiting, which none of you are obviously doing. Or some of you might be thinking about it, and I don't discourage you from there if that's what you're called to do, Kieran. Hey. So like I said, instead of giving you a box to tick tonight, we go away and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to work on that, and then I'll be ready for Christ's return. Let's have a look at what it means to have a posture of readiness. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking in 1 Samuel chapter 17, which is, of course, the story of David and Goliath, which most of you will be fairly familiar with if you went to Sunday school or if you read your Bibles. Everybody familiar? So I do a little bit of back, background to it, eh? So the Philistines arrived in Israel, well, it wasn't called Israel then, around about the same time as the Israelites did. So the Philistines were fighting just as hard for that land of milk and honey as the Israelites were. So quite often throughout the Old Testament, we'll see battles between 
the Philistines and the Israelites. Now, those battles, from what I read, instead of sending thousands of men out to kill one another, they'd send their best man out, and he would challenge for the best man of the other, other army to come and fight. That way, only one person lost their life, and everybody else just became slaves of the other people. Now, I think that's kind of a good way to fight a battle. Hey, so we nominate Kieran or Dennis. Dennis. No. So, so this is what's, what's happening. These two, these two armies have been facing off across a valley. Neither army really wanted to attack the other because they knew as soon as they went down the hill, the other side's archers and, and cannonballs or whatever they had would waste them. So nobody really wanted to take, take each other on. Instead, they just stood on, on either side of the valley and taunted each other. But the Philistines kind of had somebody that was a little bit uh, heartier than uh, what the Israelites had, and his name was Goliath. And for 40 days, Goliath used to walk down into the middle of that valley. He said he was 10 foot tall. Now, I'm 6 foot, so that's another half of me on top. So he's sort of standing up by the projector somewhere. And he would taunt the Israelites all day in the hot sun, come and fight me. And nobody wanted to do it. They were all too chicken. So, David, who was the youngest of eight brothers, was sent to the, to the Israelite army by his father Jesse with a whole lot of supplies. And I'm not going to read out what all the supplies was, but there was cheese and bread and obviously taking some food to his brothers and to whoever else he could share it with. So David rocks up to where all the Israelites are camped out and he can hear this voice down in the valley taunting them. So he drops off all his cheese and bread and etc. and then he starts going to look for his brothers and he starts asking people, well, what's going on? Who's, who's that guy yelling at God's army? Who, who's this guy? And everyone's like, oh, that's Goliath, man. He's tough. We, nobody wants to take him on. David's like, what are you talking about? We're the army of the living God and nobody wants to take him on. So he's going around the camp asking, asking, saying, man, I'll do it. I'm not afraid. Now, when you look at the, um, at the commentary around um, David in that situation, it says that he was between the ages of 15 and 19. So here he is. He's rocked up to the battlefield where he's not even a soldier. Okay? He was too young to be fighting in that battle or as a soldier for the Israelites. So he's just rocked up there to bring supplies. And he can hear Goliath yelling from the valley. And he's saying, why is nobody standing up to him? So anyway, word gets to King Saul that David is uh, pretty keen to take on Goliath. So Saul, if you know much about Saul, was a little bit of a <clears throat> soft, softy. Um, he says, send this man to me, I want to have a chat to him. And, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. So I'm going to read it directly from the Bible. So if you're with me, uh, we're in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Are you still with me? Awesome. So here's David, he's gone to Saul. Remember little young 15-year-old 15, 15 David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came, and carried off the sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. He fought lions and bears. That's pretty tough. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will surely rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, 
go, and the Lord be with you. Oh, how, how uh, good of him, eh? Just, oh, yeah, go, and may the Lord be with you. I won't even go down that track. And Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took a staff in one hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. He despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his own gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the whole Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Now that's pretty cocky, hey? Like he was just giving it to him. I love that about David. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves for the battle. It's the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Man, that's talking a big game. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it, struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And then it goes on to say that he chopped off his head, which is pretty cool too. So, all of you are pretty familiar with the story of David and Goliath, and I just really want to take three real key points from that little part of that story about David's life and how we can posture ourselves for readiness and how David was postured for readiness. You see, when David woke up that morning and his dad said, take some supplies, there's no way in his head that he was thinking, oh, I'm going to get there, and then I'm going to have that fight with Goliath, and then all the Philistine army will become our slaves, and then I'll become... He wasn't thinking like that. He was just focused on what was in front of him and what was ahead of him, and he showed up, and he was part of what was going on. And the first point I want to take from that is that David was in the mix. You know, if he'd stayed at home with his father or didn't want to take those, those supplies down there, if he didn't wander around the camp looking for his brothers, so he was in the mix. So what does that mean for us now in, in, in this day and age or in this context is being in the mix? We need to gain a clear understanding of what we are ready for. So being in the mix is being part of community like we are here. It's understanding what the, what the prophecies and revelation are. It's understanding what the world is going through and beginning to take those things and say, actually, I need to be in the mix He put himself out amongst the battlefield. You know, we, we can hide away from the battlefield sometimes because it's tough. But he wasn't afraid. That was the first thing he started saying was, why are you afraid? It requires us to be invested in the things of God, his church, his word, and his voice. That will get us in a posture of readiness. The second point I want to make 
is don't become weighed down by worldly things. And there's a couple of aspects to this, and you would have seen in, in verse 38 that David rocked up to Saul's tent, and Saul starts piling all of this armor and his tunic, and gives him his sword, and David tries to walk around in it, and he's just like, man, this is, this is too heavy. Now, can you imagine if David decided to go out against Goliath in that battle suit? As chances are that the story might have read differently. And the first aspect of don't be weighed down by, the worldly, by worldly things is that the world can throw so much at us on how we should be. Often with good intention, oh, you should do this, and you should be like this, and you should do that. I mean, even... Uh, to the point of, you know, every week we can come to church and get a message about something and we go away and we work on it that week because we're fired up by it that Sunday and then we come back to church the next Sunday and it's a different message and we're like, oh, actually, I need to go and work on that. Imagine getting up in the morning and uh, start to eat your breakfast so you make your marmite on toast or, or whatever it is that you have. At Rob's, it's probably steak. Um, and then you get halfway through that and you go, actually, I need to go brush my hair. So you take off to the bathroom and start brushing, get halfway through brushing your hair and then you go and jump in the shower and go, oh, no, no, I need a shower now. So you have a shower. So you've got all these half-finished things. Does anybody ever feel like that? Sometimes it's like, yeah, I really want to achieve that, but then I've got to do this other thing and this other thing. And that's the, that, that's the weight of the world coming on us. I did have a little side note here. You know, we, um, we can love this life too much. And I thought about this when I was writing, when I was writing this message is that you know, if Jesus actually rocked up right now, be like, oh, hey, great that you're back, Jesus, but, um, you know, I've got, I've got these things happening and I, and I really need to get that stuff finished at work and then I've got this other thing. Um, do, do you reckon you could postpone by a couple of months? Like, I know that our heart and heart of hearts is to see the return of Christ and the restoration of ourselves to Him, but if we're really honest with ourselves, how much do we love life? and the things that are happening, and the things that we're looking forward to. I know it's a slightly off topic, but don't, be, don't become weighed down by worldly things. And the third point, you've probably heard this preach from this, um, from this message before, uh, from this story before, is use whatever is in your hand. You see, a posture of readiness allows us to use whatever God has put in our hands. Like a Boy Scout, be prepared. We cannot just sit back and wait for all the stars to align. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've done it. Oh, yeah, God, I'm really willing to do that um, as soon as this and this and this happens. Or as soon as I've finished my studies, I'll, I'll be able to do that for you. Or as soon as, um, as soon as the pastor talks to me about it, then I'll be able to do it. You know, we can't just always wait for the stars to align because... David could have been like that when he headed out onto the battlefield. Oh, I probably just need a bit of practice first. Um, yeah, can just tell Goliath to wait, um, you know? So it's about taking what God's given you and using it in, in your hand. There was two real good examples in the Bible about guys that um, didn't quite have a posture of readiness. And one was Moses, as you probably well know, is that he bickered and argued with God about doing what God had asked him to do for a long time. And then God to show him his power, said, what's that? In, he actually said, what's that in your hand? Moses was like, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. Boom, and it turned into a, into a serpent. And then he picked it up and turned back into a star. And a Gideon was another one. Didn't, didn't want to do what God had. He was waiting for the stars to align. Oh, but I'm so weak. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And so he put God to the test. 
you know the story, he put the fleece out night after night after night, and God still proved to him. And I just say, just think for us to be understanding that God has given us all something for a purpose, for a direction, for whatever that could be. Take it and use it in your hand. And there's the one thing that pulls it all together. And David was, says later on in the Bible that David was a man after God's heart. What do you think the quality was that David had that was after God's heart? Dennis knows the answer. It was faith. Hey, faith was the one thing that pulled it all together. You see, even from the moment that he rocked up at that battlefield, he had faith. It's the God of the God of the living army, the living God of Israel of Israel's army. He had full faith that his God would deliver them from the Philistines. Again and again he wandered around that camp saying, Why are you all afraid? A fifteen year old boy with the faith of a man. He had unwavering faith. It's a, it seems that the more we look into the word and the more we understand what God needs from us to be ready, it comes back to faith. You see in that scripture that we talked about that this series is based on in Luke 12, it carries on, it says that if the master was to not return, then the servants begin getting drunk and hurting each other and fighting and because their faith is gone. And that's something that we need to hold on to, especially in times like this. In the world that we're living in, then faith is going to be the foundation of everything that we need to do to be ready. God's going to call us because we're faithful not because the stars are aligned, not because we've all been to Bible college, not because we're all fantastic worship leaders or preachers or prayers or kids' church leaders. He's going to call us based on our faith. That is what's going to keep us in a posture of readiness. I'm just going to pray, and I'd really love it... um, No, I'll just pray. I really love it. All right. Lord, I thank you just for those um, those simple lessons from a story that happened so, so long ago from a man that loved you and, and who you loved very much and who lived a, who lived a very uh, up and down life, Lord, but that again proves the testament of your love Um, for your people and Lord if we just take anything from this message today Lord is that to have a posture of readiness Lord we need to build it on a foundation of faith so for each person that's come here tonight Lord and I just really ask that Lord you reveal to them individually how they can build upon their faith and it's going to look different for all of us because we're all at different stages of our journey but Lord you're, you're the true revealer of those things. So yes, Lord, we will do practical things. We're not just going to sit away in a room and, and wait for your return and, and hope that you're happy because, Lord, faith without works is dead. Lord, we don't want to be dead. We want to be alive. So we bless you in this place, Lord. Show us what it is that we do need to do next, Lord, and Don't let us leave a half-eaten breakfast and a half-showered and a half-hair done. Lord, we want to do things and we want to do them well, but we want to build them on a foundation of faith and we want to build them with you.
In Jesus' name.